Welcome to How to Hochschule, our audio guide about tackling life and work at Rheinwall, University of Applied Sciences, one of the most international universities in Germany. So grab a cup of hot serenity slumber tea, put on your comfiest headphones and join us as we explore the world of Hochschule Rheinwall. Welcome back! We are launching into the end of our very first season with an exciting series called 24 Hours at Hochschule Rheinwall. Over the next four episodes we are traversing the vibrant life of Rheinwall, University of Applied Sciences, every tick of the clock. And we start out with part one, Nightfall. Today a journey that starts with the setting sun and doesn't end until a new day begins. There is a transformation that takes place here as day gives way to night. It's more than just dimmed hallways and muted lights. The Nectural HSRW is an anthology of stories waiting for its pages to be turned. My name's Britta Klinger, and I'm a student at Hochschule Rheinwald. I study international business and management. And I also work at the Centrale pub in the Cleaver town. We begin our journey into the night with Britta Klinger. She toggles two worlds, one under the sun, studying international business and management, and the other under the stars, serving drinks and stories as a bartender. How does one person balance these contrasting lives? So, I guess you came here because of your studies, or did you come here because of your work in the Centrale? Did you hear from the Centrale? Oh, no. The Centrale was actually just a mere coincidence that began last year. I came here for my studies. I started shortly before COVID, and... Now I'm writing my thesis at the moment, so I'm not going to be here that much longer. And the Centrale started way later, after all the lockdowns. When I came back from my semester abroad, I went there a few times with a friend. Yeah. And we befriended the barkeeper. Mm. And he told us that he was going to move away to Münster for his studies. And I told him, I want your job. And then he pointed me to the owner so I went up to the owner and was like, I want to work here. And he's like, okay, you can start on Wednesday. <laughs> and that's how I got the job. Did you ever went in, in this field? Well, barkeeping or bartending, I didn't have previous experience, except I grew up in a small village. And when you're young, you, of course, go behind the counter and pour the first beers. Yeah. That was my experience with it, but not with the close contact. But shortly before that, I worked for like three or four months in Venga as a waitress and that was all the gastronomy experience I had. Yeah, so you weren't like really fresh to this field but of working, you might say. You had some experience but still it's different, right? I would say I was quite inexperienced when I started. If I compare it to how I go to work now, how I treat the guests, how I do the chores that need to be done like in any job, it's more routine than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was still, oh my God, now I have to do three orders at the same time. Mm. Even though multitasking is all right from the beginning, it's just you get more in the flow the more you do it. Of course. So yeah. looking back, I think I was quite inexperienced when I started. Did you have any experience with the Kleve nightlife or the <laughs> Haas RV nightlife before? Yes, I would say so. Not as much, of course, as now, because when you just go there as a guest, you can't really go five times a week because yes. that's could, a problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least it would 
worry a bit. I did get in contact, especially in the beginning of my studies. There were more house parties still. Yeah, it's still going on, right? The house party scene? A few. It's gotten quite low during COVID and afterwards. Before that, the Villa Kunterbund did more. We had, for a short period of time, the Tribe House. Mm. And... The pool house used to do more, I think. Oh, I never heard about this one. The pool house? No, oh, I heard about the, all the other ones. and the, the crack house, of course. Yeah, crack house. I've actually never been there. Yeah, I've never been to anyone. The, the only one I ever went to was the uh, the castle of Ege. Tusendreich. I've never been to that one. Oh, that's really but I've heard of the castle. Yeah, it was There's also one in Vinda. in the podcast, actually. But yeah. No, the pool house is actually really cool because they have this kind of winter garden as a chill area. And right next to it, there's an empty pool, which is in the ground. And they always put the DJ Wait a minute. Setup. I went there. Yeah. I think I know that. Is it in Kerken? Is it? I don't know. I always arrive there with other people, always at a good level. So I never know how to get there. I just uh, follow the other people. But is it in a is it in a resident area or is it? Maybe I, I think went it's there. A huge subway? Question mark. Not sure. The pool's just so cool because you have the pool in the ground, yeah. and that's always the dance floor. And then the DJ is like a bit on top of that, playing, and it's just you look up to the DJ, and it's just this cool vibe when you're in the pit with the other people because even if you're just two people or alone or 30 people it's just it's nice yeah but other than that cleveland nightlife it was just we have a few pubs a few of them nicer a few of them i wouldn't recommend going into mm. so there are a few places you can go it's just that there's not really a lot of going out party yeah yeah You'd have to go to Nijmegen or, which I did once in my whole time here, or Düsseldorf. But yeah, it was quite far away actually. Yeah, but the trains go back at already like 5 a.m. So ah, right. It's fine. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And but Centrale, it's like a meeting point for students, for at least on certain days, right? Uh, partly. So what I like about the Centrale, I always say it's the Reeperbahn of Cleaver <laughs> okay. because it's not only for students. We have all generations there and that's cool with the setup because the front part is more of the typical bar feeling and the back part is more of this community center kind of thing so in the back you can also play your own music you can always throw around the tables and the chairs take them outside or wherever hmm. um, so it's more of like A living room where you can just get together, meet your friends, meet strangers and just start a chat with them. Hmm. You can just go there by yourself and you'll find someone to chat to usually. Yeah. Or in a big group and you'll still find space to sit. And it's very diverse. We've even had a couple of dance parties there where it's just somebody turned up the music and we put on dance music and in the front nobody sat anymore. We had 30 people in the front just dancing. Oh, that sounds cool. How did you find out about it the first time? Because he said, I want to work here. So probably you went there before, once or twice, or? Not that much, actually. All right. It was more of like a spring in the moment kind of thing. Mm. So it's just, I went there, it was cozy, mm. and I went there a few more times, but not that much. And actually about the day with the students, that began because the friend that I mentioned earlier, and I went there on a Wednesday, sat down that was like the second time i was there in total looked at each other and like wouldn't it be nice if this happened every wednesday so we started going around for the next week and just telling people next wednesday we're all going to central to like random people on the campus and then the next wednesday it was full and two weeks later was when i went to the owner and was like i want to work here now and i want to work the wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> all right But did you ever have the experience that, that you were uh, working at the Centrale and someone came to you and said, I want to have your job? No, it actually happened. And it happens quite a lot where people ask, what do I need to be able to work here? They don't do as plump, I guess, as I did and just going to the owner and saying, I won't work. Uh, it's more of like, do I have the right qualifications to be able to work here? And it actually happens step by step that more and more people for example the friend she at one point 
always sat at the bar when I was working, and once there was a lot to do, so she helped me clean the glasses. And the owner saw that, and we integrated her. But because it's such a friendly atmosphere, the people that come there as guests a lot also want to help. So, for example, if they see there are plenty of empty glasses, they pick them up and carry them over. Hmm. So it's not really just a bar where you go to drink and we serve them, right. but that's why this personal connection is also important. And that's why with the kind of getting to know how the cleaver mind works, mm -hmm. that's how you get into the communication and kind of marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned it through my studies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What is like the main thing you learn of the nightlife can be connected to Zentrale, but don't have to uh, here in Kleve. Like one, one lesson you learned or one main takeaway. Nightlife in Kleve. What I've learned to appreciate about Kleve nightlife, we don't have the big parties, the ones that go until 7 a.m. usually. Sometimes when we work until the end of our shift, we go to hikes and it opens up at 5 a.m. because it took that long. Hmm. But Usually it doesn't go until deep in the night or it's the big parties, but it's more of you go to the places and you see the people, the same people that you saw last week. And it's not the deepest of friendships that you have. You don't have to have them, hmm. but it's like this kind of you're coming home and it's it just feels cozy. So even even if somebody had too much to drink, And you know the person, you know, okay, we've all been in that position. We're going to help that person because next week maybe it will be somebody else. And if somebody is in trouble, then there will be at least 10 people going there standing up for the person. That's, for example, my mom is always scared when I work alone at mm. night in the pub and have to walk home at night. And if there's some drunk stumbling in at 1 a.m. making trouble... And I always say, you don't have to be worried because the moment somebody even looks at me funny, I know 10 guests are already in the position where they will back me up if somebody were something were to happen. And that's what I really appreciate about the Cleaver nightlife is that you care for each other. So even though we have plenty of weird creatures in Cleaver, which I appreciate as well because they're always... It's just nice to have these, just as many as Frankfurt, I feel like. <laughs> But with that, there are so many people that you can just chat to, talk to, and just sit down next to. In a cafe, you'll meet the same people uh, that you meet at night, usually just a whole family. Coming up, we send a familiar voice and special guest, Dr. Jus Kleuters, to a rave right here in Kleve. I'm at the gate entrance. I will have a podcast and I will be gone. Yeah, from the Hofschule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can check the armbands now. I will go check the armbands now. Right. I will see where we can go. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. You might remember Dr. Kloitus from our very first episode, How to Start. Tonight, he takes us on trip to a techno festival in Kleve, a phenomenon that evolved from student parties not too long ago. It's a story of celebration, community and the spirit of Hochschule Rheinwald. Okay, so I'm standing here with Mahmoud, who is uh, still uh, very much busy organizing the uh, the Beatwoods Festival. Uh, you just got a call. Uh, is there some business you need to attend to or can we just talk uh, for a couple It's actually minutes? a little problem. Some They were telling me about some people trying to trespass through the area because it's really huge, kind of the park. And we were not able to kind of secure it all completely with fences, first of all, because of the cost, the high cost. And second of all, just because of the, the environment and the grass around the area. 
Another issue was just happening right now because he was calling me that he found a proof of people doing fireworks just nearby us and he took pictures of that proof uh, in case the Ordnungamt has any questions in that regard because it's not, it wasn't on our area but the sound was very loud. It attracted our attention to check it immediately. Uh, other than that, everything is, is going really smooth. The place is amazing. The people are amazing. Um, everyone's having a good time. We're really happy with what we have achieved. And yeah, yeah. that's a great, uh, it's a great time. Okay, so you're happy with the way things are going now? The festival is a success? Can you already? Yes, I can already say it's a yeah. success. Uh, we're still not, like, not too many people are informed about the festival. Um, we need to promote it more, but we're. Uh, but it's, what we see is a successful uh, festival from all sides, from like uh, the light shows, the fire shows, uh, the music, the sound systems, the tents that we have. Uh, despite this weather, it was really tough in the beginning. Like Friday was showering the whole time. It was really challenging. How did you um, end up here organizing this festival? Well, it's actually started, uh, we were having our events in Kleve. Uh, since Kleve is a really small town, it doesn't have much to offer in that sense. Uh, we were finding our ways to kind of connect the community that we had, our friends, and having the meetups. Kleve was offering something special than other big cities like Berlin. In Berlin, the communities um, are not much connected. For example, if you go to a study at a university in Berlin, you don't get to see meet everyone as you get to meet everyone here in Kleve. Since the town is really small, activities are much less. People tend to coincidentally uh, meet everyone every day, perhaps, if not every day, every week. And that actually creates a stronger bond between the people. One issue is that Kleve is really small for like development, future development, and most of the students want to continue their careers. Uh, Kleve doesn't offer much in that sense. Uh, it's very limited in options. However, uh, it's... The connection that can be built is very unique. Um, coming to the idea of the festival, it actually happened like strongly it came after our friends started to graduate and they started to leave to pursue their dreams, careers and so on. And we wanted to create this festival to happen once a year to kind of bring the people back and offer them the safe space to kind of express themselves, uh, stay connected despite the challenges and all the responsibilities that come with life when we grow up, the more uh, more responsibilities are going to come, family, career, etc. Most of the people, if not everyone, won't be able to connect with everyone, all their friends, all their old friends, old school friends, and so on. So we were trying to pursue this idea to create this space in Kleve for the people who, were, who studied here mostly and who are locals here. And from the community, the same community, perhaps guests, visiting them who kind of got to see Kleve and enjoy the beautiful vibes in Kleve, to give them this opportunity to really meet once a year uh, without any stress, without any stress or without the challenges of connecting with each person. Because like having 200 person, as I said, it's really challenging right. to connect with everyone. So, so this, this like space is basically kind of a hub to once a year give the opportunity for the people to come and connect and strengthen their bonds again. And that could also offer them more opportunities in that regard. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, of more of like... A student reunion? It's kind of also a, a reach out to... Exactly. It's like a there. student reunion. And at the same time, it's a, it's a give back to the Kleve. Uh, I personally grew up here like for six years. Uh, I was born in Damascus and I grew up here like six years. It was a significant time in my life. Studied, right? yeah, yeah, I studied in Rheinwald University. It was pretty challenging in the beginning, but after having the community and everything, it was uh, it was much easier to live in a place uh, outside of home. And today, I feel Kleve is my second home, actually. And if you ask the rest in the festival, most of them would say the same. They have a, like a unique connection to Kleve, and everyone is looking forward for the next festival. Like uh, within our applications for the tickets, everyone was selecting. Yeah, I want to hear updates about our upcoming festival. And that makes us really happy that the people are really satisfied with what we brought. And we're really looking forward for much more time and uh, more people to get to know and uh, promote our emerging artists. So uh, mainly when we created this idea, which was behind the reunion, uh, we needed also a purpose. 
And the purpose was is to support our emerging artists. And that was how it started with our parties, our events. We, were, we had some artists uh, who started producing here, started DJing here. And we, were, we, were, we started with like seven people around them, dancing, supporting them, slowly, slowly getting bigger, bigger, bigger. Today we are like around 500 people uh, supporting them. Yeah. Um, so basically now it's, it's a very large group of, of students and volunteers who, who organize uh, their own festival. Students and non-students actually. Okay. Like uh, there are so many non-students who are supporting in that. Um, I'm actually not a student anymore. Right. I graduated last year. And yeah, basically it's uh, the community of Kleve. Right, so you're looking Clever. to expand, right? And then We're definitely looking to expand. To, yeah. uh, the only way to make it self-sustained is to expand. Yeah. And today we are going more into public and offering this space to even more people to invite them and allow them to join us uh, yeah. in this journey. Uh, so, uh, so today's theme, actually, it's like galactic beats. Right. It's like journey in time. Uh, we have three stages. The first stage is like uh, designed with a dinosaur style, takes you to the past. We got the present stage where you can jam and play music and do it now if you are interested. And that's like non-planned artists. It's just people who are interested. They can just go and use the instruments and try their best in the present moment to do the action now. And we have the third stage, which is the future. We try to decorate a little bit with future vibes. Uh, yeah, that's the theme basically. Right. We will see what next year will uh, hold for us. Looking, looking forward very okay. much. Yeah. So, uh, what's very important for you and for the organization? It's not just about students or former students. It's also to reach out to to people in in Kleve. Um, How did you do that? How did you find uh, people who were not your former fellow students uh, to join in? Most of the people who are joining us uh, have the same interest with the music, with the type of music, electronic music, techno house, um, or the festival vibes. If you are, um, if you look around, you see a lot of familiar faces, right? Because you have been a student here yourself. Yes. Uh, you see a lot of new yes. faces as well. Yes, I do see a lot of new faces. I'm happy to see the new faces and uh, and even more happier to see the old faces. It brings me such a big joy to see the people to be able to reconnect. It was uh, hard to say bye for the people we have studied with, lived with, laughed, had a good time, and everyone was going to a different city, different place. And it was kind of heartbreaking to see that, to go through that. Right. And the only solution would be is just to meet up again. And to meet up again, it needs to be like worthwhile and enjoyable. So we're trying to make it more attractive for our friends and everyone to be able to reunite and connect again, hoping to strengthen the bond and stay connected right it's all and about I, the connection basically Anna. right and are you still living in, in Kleve or did you move elsewhere uh, I'm planning to leave Kleve and uh, I'm planning to leave Kleve uh, to pursue my career I worked for four months as a clinical research associate and I would like to continue in that field in research um, Kleve doesn't offer me uh, opportunities in that part so I'm willing uh, and happy to go somewhere else to pursue that uh, and looking forward to this two, three days in a year to meet everyone in this space and be back in this really unique space. Leve is a really unique space with what it offers, with the people, and with what it offers around. Is yeah, right, right. Yeah. So at least you were. Oh, there's a car coming. Oh, there's two bikes. <laughs> um, so you're looking forward to, uh, you know, even if you move elsewhere, you'll once a year you'll know that the festival will be here and you can meet up with uh, all your friends. Play yes, again. exactly. Right. That I'm really looking forward already for next year because some people were not able to join us this year and um, they're already on our list, subscribed for next year for the updates and I'm hoping to see them. Uh, like this time, I also got friends coming from Italy, from different places. We were like even friends who did not really study in Cleve were able to join us and meet us in this time. Like my friends who I know him from eight years ago. Uh, actually, we only had the chance to meet in Germany four times. Twice were outside the festival, and the other two were in last before two years, 2021. And this was the second time. And he's really happy with this opportunity to come to be able to meet me, see me, and at the same time get to know more people and have fun and enjoy the time. And she's also looking forward for next year as okay. I am.
it's actually in the middle of the night here in Niederrhein, Lower Rhine area in Germany. It's 4.35 actually. Yeah. Now we are deep into the night and we jet off to Shanghai. Louis Götz, our globetrotter from HSRW, has been soaking up experiences halfway around the world. Jos Kleuters, I'm the director of the Center for Internationalization and Languages. At this time also in Kleve at this early hour of 4.30 in the morning. But still happy to be here and talk with our student who is now studying in Shanghai. And he's got stories about Shanghai after dark, about cultural contrasts and about the lessons learned far from home. Yeah, hey, I'm Luis. I'm currently studying in the seventh semester IR here at HSRW. And right now I'm not in Kleve, but I'm in Shanghai, China, doing my semester abroad. And I already had breakfast, so it's already 10.30 here. I think that's quite a difference in time here. So what did you have breakfast? Noodles, probably? Or something uh, in that direction? No, no, I just... I just got a very fast breakfast, just some rice packaged together with some egg and meat, yeah, from a convenience store right across the street. What made you decide to apply for a semester abroad in China? I thought about where I want to go. And within Europe, I already traveled a lot in the last years. And I, I've been outside of Europe only for the first time this year anyway. So I really wanted to get some experience a bit further away from Germany, from Europe. and. In China here, we have an amazing partner university, the Shanghai University. And uh, as I saw the study program here and uh, also the, the difference in culture, the difference in language and everything, I thought that's an amazing opportunity to spend some time outside Europe, dive into another country and culture. And yeah, I'm really happy that I took this decision now. Um, so are you the only Renoir student there or are there uh, more of you? Yes, I'm the only Rhine Wall student here, but there are also other international students and also actually a lot of international students from Germany. So I'm not the only international student, no. And how is that studying there? Is it the international students being all together and also living together? Or are you also in touch with Chinese students as well? That really depends, I would say. Within the university, within the study program, there are a lot of Chinese students. So I would say even 70 or 80 percent of students come here from mainland China. And the dormitories where I live, for example, I live in the international dormitory. So only exchange students or students that study the whole degree here but come from another country, they live here. So in university, it's quite mixed. But then again, I share my room with another German. so. I don't have that much exposure to other Chinese people, yeah. Language, obviously, I guess, is a challenge when it comes to Chinese and for everyday life. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. The language barrier, I would say, definitely exists, as I also don't know almost any Chinese, to be honest, yet, because I didn't study it before. But I would say it's quite different in society also here when it comes to topics like digitalization. So it's also very easy to communicate with people just using a translator or... Yeah, in the end, if you're not too introverted, I would say you can also communicate with hand and feet and you can get by. But the difference is huge. Yeah, definitely. And how are the classes? Is that a big difference from from studying at Rheinwell? Yeah, I think I could say so. I wouldn't say the whole system is completely different. So the courses are similarly scheduled into blocks and then you have breaks between the courses. But it's different when it comes to how do you say how the, the teaching style maybe it's probably more comparable to what i had in high school and in germany so a lot of front-centered teaching around the teacher and maybe not that much class participation like in seminars what we have sometimes in clever at least in my degree what we have quite a lot yeah that's different and how about the city? How about the city of Shanghai? Do you enjoy that very much? Yeah, definitely. I never experienced a city like this before. And that was also a reason why I came here. Uh, I think it's quite different from Kleve, <laughs> from our little town, uh, which is nice and quiet. And then you come to the city with around 25 million people or so. You have to get used to it, I would say. But the transportation, for example, is amazing. So the metro system works great. And you, yeah, you can travel quite fast. For example, I have to travel every day to university because I live on another campus and I study on a different campus from where I live. 
So that uh, makes me travel already around 28 kilometers just to campus. But then again, with, for example, also the transportation infrastructure from the uni here, I take a university bus directly to the other campus. It's quite comfortable. So I can't complain. I guess one of the exciting things of being in China is, is you read a lot about it, right? Before you go, and especially about the politics in the country and how... As you said before, and it's, I, th I think that's interesting if you say that's something that you can easily talk about, digitalization, but also how sort of the state is watching everybody, uh -huh. how it becomes more difficult for foreigners to operate in China, not just companies, but also NGOs. Obviously, there's often a lot of difference between what you read in the papers or see in TV and how the situation really is when you get there. So how is that for you? Do you feel free? Do you feel like you're being watched all the time or you need to watch what you're saying? Or do you sense that with, with the Chinese students? How is that? Or what was your perception in that regard before you left? And how was it once you got there? And how was your experience there? Yes. So it's definitely true. I also studied China quite a bit before I came here. Obviously, also, as I study politics and economics in my degree, it's a very interesting country, of course, and also in the region. And also, as I arrived here, obviously, in my everyday life, I don't feel this kind of effect on myself directly, but especially compared to Europe, compared to Germany, where I come from, I can see the differences in small things like when I go to campus and I go through the gates and it's an automatically face ID check that checks my identity and I enter the gate without anything. So, oh, really? Wow. So they can definitely see these kind of steps that we would talk about for for months and probably not approve uh, of in Germany as we have very strict data regulation, for example. And this is just very different here. And I think also for other foreigners, it's probably the case that you just know that already when you come here and then also consider that. So I wouldn't say that I actively now think about what I can say or what I can write to other people. But I would say I definitely have that in the back of my mind and that definitely plays a role here as well. But on the other hand, when I talk to other students, when I talk to Chinese people, then I also often see that they often talk about politics quite openly, quite freely. And I can interact with them. And uh, it's very interesting to see different perspectives in that regard. There are definitely two sides to that. So we have several universities in China, in Guangzhou, in Shenzhen, also in Shanghai that are relatively new. But yeah, it was for a very long time not possible to exchange students because of COVID. And in China, of course, they were very late in giving up the restrictions. So I think Louis is our first student after the corona pandemic to travel to China. That was great. And another thing that was great, for example, here is that they have student buddies, just like in Kleber, that can help you get around and get to know the university, the city, the daily life. Without that, I would also probably have struggled quite a bit. Yeah. What is like the difference? Between the nightlife, in if you compare it to Kleve and to Shanghai, it's not only different country, probably completely different worlds, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you go out in the evening, it's still so much going on the streets. There are the motorbikes everywhere, cars going around, people walk in the streets, and it's just life doesn't stop here. It feels during the night because so many shops are open, so many restaurants and places to meet, to drink, or whatever. And that's definitely a big difference because it's so densely crowded also here that even in the parks, where you can usually see in the evening and in the night, a lot of people, especially seniors, that meet up there and play games or dance or listen to music. It's just really nice. And I think if you spend some time here, you get used to the life here, you can definitely find something for yourself, whatever your interest is in that aspect. So. If you want to go to a restaurant or if you want to chill in the park, there are options for everyone. That's great. You're German, right? So you uh, grew up in Germany. So for you, yes. were, weren't like the fact that after 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock, everything is closed wasn't that unusual? Yeah, of course. I'm completely used to that in Germany. That's normal. Yeah. But... Because a lot of people are completely confused that everything, life gets stops after 10 o'clock. Yeah, no. To be honest, for example, here in the dorms, it looks a bit different because there we also have a policy of kind of don't make noise in the evening and don't disturb yeah. other students. So that's quite well organized and also enforced. So you can't be that loud in the evening or night. And also 
we as students, we can, I think, only come in up until 12 o'clock during the night here. And after that, we have to fill out a form or something to to come home during the night. So that's different. That's a bit restricting. But nightlife itself or what goes on in the streets, there's a big difference. Did that ever happen to you? Did you come to the dorm after 12 o'clock and had to spend the night somewhere else or? Not yet. No, unfortunately. But I heard about other people this happening to them. And I think that's still working in the end because we have groups, a group chat also in the dorms here. And in the end, if someone comes at 3 a.m. home and wants to go get into the building, he just texts in the group chat, please can someone open the door? Mostly there's still someone awake at that time anyway, so then someone just comes and opens the door. So that works out in the end. What was for you the biggest difference in comparison to Kleve the first time you came to Shanghai? Of course, besides the obvious facts, it's a lot bigger and it's Chinese and not German. Yeah, in, in general, the whole experience here feels so different that it's right now hard to like single out one factor because it just feels like almost every aspect is just uh, quite different and works differently. Mm, that's a good question. So maybe I give you comparison. I never went to China. Maybe Jos can chip in. But first time uh, I heard from people coming back from China, they all said, oh, I'm back from the future. There are like e-bikes everywhere. There are supermarkets without people where you can enter with your cell phone. And it's uh, unbelievable. That's, that's, it's so modern. And Germany is so far behind. That's like the first stories I heard about China, especially the bigger cities, comparison to like the normal stuff. Oh, you can pay with WhatsApp. They have WeChat. You know that. It's crazy. And Yeah. Like this aspect of, Digital life here is definitely a huge difference. That's true. And not just in, in paying and navigating or something, but in general, more social life as well works over these platforms, I believe. That's also a bit confusing for me to see because the men's are here sometimes. I see that a lot of people are on their phones or uh, during daily life. Like I, I see the motor scooter drivers driving like crazy around the corners, but then they still have a phone in their hand and look on it. And that's different, I would say, because that doesn't work like that in Germany and also in Kleve. And also then in the university, that's also the case. So a lot of class materials, for example, are shared in these uh, group chats and not on a separate platform itself. So that is a big difference. Was it also already the case back when you were there, Just? Yeah, I think so. I think people who are complaining that people spend too much time on their phones, if you go to China and then go back, I think, okay, maybe it's not that bad. And of course, it's very modern. Shanghai still has an old city center, but everything around it, you can see how quickly that has expanded and all the new buildings that are coming up. I talked to a colleague at, at the university and we were having lunch somewhere and he said, when I was young, this was all grassland, right? There was nothing here. Um, that must have been a very Chinese experience to grow up there and see how fast these mega cities are, are growing. And from him to, to coming from there and just before that, just being a rural area. And now it's, uh, it's just part of, of a big city. It, it definitely has that feel of modernism, of um, yeah, expanding large city life. And uh, yeah, you have that feeling more. You hear this when you visit people from the U.S. who came to China, right? Americans always see themselves are like, oh, we're at the forefront of what's going on in the world. But then you go to China, you have like high-speed trains and modern infrastructure and new roads and everything. It's even more interesting because for Americans, their perspective is so much different. So that the shock when they go to China is even bigger than, than when we go, right? One thing that, that came, to, came to mind, we have a lot of Chinese um, students at Wang University from, from the beginning. Do you look at them differently, do you think, when you get back now that you've experienced where they're from? And, and do you think that you might be uh, in touch with them more now after you've been to, to China yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think that's also going to be easier in a way that I also have been to their country and not only they have been to mine, right? That's always, I think, a big part of understanding each other better and connecting better. I've only been in touch briefly before I went here with some Chinese students, but when I come back, I think I, I'll also have a bit of a better understanding, at least from the surface level, from what life in China looks like, what everyday life looks like here, and 
also for example the the studying the differences in university and teaching and these kind of aspects that will help me to have a different perspective on that and you said university provided like a buddy like we do at Manuel as well so we always couple our incoming students who come to Clave or Camp Linford with our future outgoing students who then go to their university abroad in the next semester was it a chinese student as well that you're in touch with and that sort of supports you and you, while you're there yes exactly and he you have a good connection with this person as well are you in, in closer contact still or was that just at yeah. the beginning oh. no that's that's also the great part as you spend a lot of time just like discussing everyday life and they help you set up a set up a not bank account but an alipay account here and yeah show you how the metro works at least for me that directly evolved into kind of friendship and we spent a lot of time here together he showed me different restaurants already and yeah it's nice it's a definitely a huge benefit of having an active international center here that yeah and have you managed to to promote some students to to come to germany as well the next semester or next year not yet not yet i've not been actively asked to do that but can definitely try to recruit some students <laughs> when i always say that i'm from germany if people ask me where i'm from usually the reaction is quite positive and they're interested in the country or they know some german companies and another lecturer i was talking with just the other day he said like yeah i have some colleagues phd students that went to germany to to do a career there in academia as well so there's definitely an interest in that area i would say Lewis, at the beginning of your studies in China until now, what is like the main thing you learned? Probably to just be open, to not be afraid to just talk to other people on the street and ask them for help. Because in the end, if you go to a foreign country that is this much different and then you also don't know the language in my case, you just have to be open to get around because there will be a lot of challenges you face and a lot of yeah unknowns that you cannot plan for, even if you try to plan them ahead. Yeah, no matter how, how scary the people look like or anything like that, no, the, the people are usually quite friendly and my experience with that has been great here. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. I would also encourage other students, also maybe from lower semesters, to try this kind of experience, to go abroad, to also go to a country where you maybe don't know the language yet or don't have a lot of experience and just do that step and go that step and I think you'll be rewarded with a lot of experiences and challenges that in the end give you new perspectives on this kind of country. And I think in, with China, that's a great example because I think a lot, for a lot of people, they think some foreign country like this, I have to know the language on C1 level to even survive here, but that's not true and you can get by for sure. So I'll encourage anyone that thinks about this. And our final act for the night. I'm David Bale from the security service here on the campus. Every institution has its watchful guardian, and he's ours. Through David's eyes, we'll see the untold and often overlooked tales of Hochschule Rheinwahl at night. Now standing outside in the very early mornings, so it's getting a little bit... So the darkness disappears slowly. Do you remember like the first night you spent here at the campus site? Yeah, the first night is always a bit daunting because the campus is big, it's dark. There's always lots of people walking about because it's all open. There's all public footpaths and cycleways through the campus. And people like to gather here and drink a few beers or... Yeah, sometimes they're a bit loud, a bit nuisance, so we have to move them on. But it's... it's uh, Be a good experience when you start here. When you're alone, and when I started, we just did the night shift on our own. And when you go to ask a group of people to move on or something, you don't quite know how they're going to react or how they're going to behave. So yeah. you have to be a bit cautious. And now we're with two men on a night shift, so it's a bit easier. easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember like the first time you saw this area at night? It looks different, right? Not only because it's tight, but all like the lighting, it gives the Yeah, atmosphere. it's a nice atmosphere. Yeah. When when you have the summer, 
and, and the banks of the canal are full of students and people enjoying themselves, having a quiet beer or playing the guitar or playing games. It's, it's, it's fun. It's almost like a holiday sort of feeling. Yeah. But naturally in the winter, it gets quieter, it gets darker. Yeah. And then the, um, yeah, say undesirables start <laughs> gathering on the campus. And then you have to be a bit, bit careful because yeah. when they get bored, they start vandalizing, leaving rubbish and, and graffiti if you're not careful. So oh, yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're pretty hard. We move them on, ask yeah. them to uh, yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah. And you, you allowed to do it on only to a certain degree right because it's a public space yeah we, we you need the police we, we, to we, we call the police or, yeah. or what the germans call the ordnungsamt yes, which is like yes. the civil civil security firm or service good working relationship with them they come and help us and when there's too many people on the campus it gets too loud then mm. we call the police and we go together with the police and we clear the campus and yeah. get our peace and quiet back again <laughs> <laughs> but does it happen that often right at the beginning When everything was new, it happened a lot. Now we've got everything a bit more under control. It stays quieter, more relaxed, and people can enjoy it. Yeah. You get a lot of students, you get a lot of older people, families. It's a really mixed sort of atmosphere, yeah. and it, it, it's really relaxing and nice work when you when it's quiet and people are having fun. I remember when when we started, when the campus was new. Yep. Both of us started out working in the library, from a warehouse, center. yeah, student yeah. service center. Was that? The first time you started out with the new campus, and then yeah, that's where I started in the library, the student advisory service. Yeah, it was interesting because it's a small building; it used to get quite crowded. And at the beginning, all the new students and and others used to arrive all at the same time to to sign in and register. And because it's a very high ceiling building, and it got very loud, so I really had to. Uh, sort things out some days you really had to shout above the noise to get the students to quieten down had to send few of them outside to make more room and generally like organize it a bit like a kindergarten but it was fun <laughs> everybody was squeezed in like sardines and yeah good old days you remember that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah so you tend to get a bit hoarse sometimes from shouting at the to organizing quiet And, and so the people in the student advisory service could work, the people get could get through and in and out from the library, and it was just chaos, wasn't it? Yeah, beginning? sometimes <laughs> it was a little chaotic. How did you end up working here or coming to Claven from all the way from the UK? That's yeah, well, I was posted here in the 1980s with the Royal Air Force in Vita, which is it used to be RAF Larbrook, it's now Vita Airport. That used to be a big NATO base, yeah. and I was stationed there with the Royal Air Force Police did nine years service there in the nine years I was stationed there I met my wife who's German and when I finished my time in Navita at Larbrook yeah I stayed in Germany with my wife my wife's a nurse she works in Gok Hospital so I've been over here over 30 years now I've probably lived longer in Germany than I have in England <laughs> what was like the, your first experience of Germany do you remember I mean it's very long ago but <laughs> Yeah, first experience in Germany. I think it always starts with beer and ends with beer in Germany. <laughs> I think, yeah, remembering is okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it's, it's good fun. No, I always had yeah. a good good time because being in the military police, we used to do a lot of work off base. We used to have to go to all the road accidents and punch-ups in the discos and pubs and things. So we got to know the German police. We used to work with them very well and uh, got a lot of contacts off base. And enjoy the time. Yeah. There's no less time on the base. We had all the clubs and facilities on the base. Most of my free time I spent off base. That's how I met my wife, really. <laughs> yeah. In the local pubs. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from dealing with rowdy UK soldiers to dealing with rowdy students. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, what is the difference? Is there a difference? <laughs> okay. I find students are a little bit easier um, with, with the military. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> different mindset. <laughs> and bigger guys, yeah. fitter guys. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you can't compare them really. Although, uh, okay, no, it's uh, interesting. We had not just the service personnel, we had to deal with the families and everything as well. So there's no real problems if we had to deal with teenagers then or young people then or now. It's much the same. And in my spare time, I do a lot of work with the scouts and uh, scouting as well. I'm group scout leader at our local 
scouts in Udham, organisation are shouting at kids and keeping them under control is, yeah, becomes naturally in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good skill to have, actually. Yeah. If it works like all other different people and age groups and uh, that's right you just change the tone of your voice right. and a bit louder or a bit quieter and it yeah. works <laughs> yeah. so what does your sort of routine look like at uh, night for the night shift we ride in building four in the uh, office we uh, take over from the day shift if there's any anything happened or anything we need to know then we sort of exchange information Yeah, all, all the contractors and workers on the campus come back and hand in their transponders and we sign them back in. Students want the music room or they want to do something. And they come to us, the cars, the buses, minibuses are brought back to us with the keys and the folders. We have to look after that. Then yeah, if there's any special functions on in the campus, we have to be aware so we don't get in the way or make sure that people keep away and the function runs then later in the evening just before 10 o'clock we have to start uh, before 10 o'clock we, we start walking around and shutting all the windows that are open all the doors and uh, making sure the buildings are empty or there's nobody hanging around inside that shouldn't be uh, just before 10 o'clock we give an announcement that the buildings are going to be shut and then we uh, basically shut the buildings, lock them from the control room and uh, set the alarms, all the lights go out and the campus is then hopefully, hopefully finished, shut, closed. <laughs> how, how often does it happen that people are uh, voluntary or involuntary locked in into their offices? It happens, that's why we always give an announcement before we close yeah. so if somebody's staying longer they can give us a ring and let us know in building 10s there's somebody working until 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock that's no problem if they don't do that then the alarms go off we go and check and if we're not sure ourselves we'll call the police and yeah we have to go with the police and and check that the building is empty and not been broken into or anything but, but uh, does that happen often not very often we know roughly which professors or right. <laughs> which buildings are being used a bit later yeah. and most of the Yeah, we always get a telephone call to let them know, let us know that they're working later so there's no misunderstandings or problems. And then after 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, we start checking around the campus, making sure there's everything's quiet and the people are behaving themselves and everything's not getting out of control. And then at midnight, we try and advise the people then to move off the campus and, and the place is shut down because after midnight, We like to keep the place empty and then anybody going through is no problem. But actually sitting is not tolerated really <laughs> because we've had so much problems with vandalism and, and rubbish and things in the past. Yeah. The university yeah. finished. Maybe we can go yeah. on, on a bridge because I think what's quite special about the university is the fact that it's right near which is a bit too near at times yeah. <laughs> we've we always have to fish at least two or three people at the canal every year as part of our job as well nights when they're drunk and coming back from the pubs or clubs or whatever they tend to wander a bit too close to the edge and uh, a few times we've had to pull people out of the canal how do you do this we've got the rescue rings which are situated in strategic locations and we've got a few long poles with rings on the end And then, uh, yeah, if we hear it or see it, then we're the first to respond, pull the person out and call an ambulance and make sure they get checked over in the hospital first. Did you ever had to jump in after someone? Or? No, I avoid that if I can. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the, the poles are usually long enough and most people manage to scramble close enough to the side that we can get to them. Up. Yeah, mostly carnival time or when the festival tent is on the car park, when there's the fair is here, the, they tend to wander and fall in. But do you see it or do you hear it? Or because it's quite long, like the yeah, we sit in building four, so we've got yeah. quite a good visibility. And most occurrences are here in this part of the canal, yeah, we can see. Or, or if we don't see them, then yeah, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. Did you ever hear that story about how a student from Bangladesh saved a, a fireman who landed up in the water during carnival time, drunk? Yeah, there, there's several other students have, as I said, there was an old lady fell in over 80. 
she was walking across and didn't see the edge of the canal and unfortunately she fell in and there were a couple of students sat on the tables and they saw and one jumped in and they pulled her out and they got the ambulance and she was saved wasn't seriously injured but just shocked i think <laughs> yeah and it's pretty deep right it's three meters deep because it used to be an official waterway yeah so it's yeah up until pretty dangerous to fall in Yeah, it's, and there's a lot of hidden objects in the bottom if you're not careful, like old bicycles and shopping trolleys and things. So uh, got to be careful. But it just makes the campus atmosphere. It's nice in the summer when people are just sat on the canal here, enjoying themselves. And how yeah. often do people try to swim in it voluntary? It's something that's... It so happens in the summer, especially when it's hot. People gather around the Mensa and it's tempting. And why? Yeah, okay. Shouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And if we see them doing it, we call them out pretty quick. Because, unfortunately, the water's not the cleanest of waters and you can pick up some nasty things if you... And the hidden objects and, and yeah. things that get caught. Did it's you not know? safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably a few bombs from the Second World War lying in the bottom. Yeah, surely. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. That's, that's bombs awesome. or shells. So, yeah. This canal has been here since the 17th century. Yeah, it was a so main a connection to the Rhine. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, just a shame the locks are out of action. And yeah. uh, it used to be good at the very beginning. The boats used to come from the Rhine through here and spend the weekend or overnight here, and it was a really good with all the boats tied up and the yeah, people like great. Yeah. having a barbecue on the yeah. yeah it's a nice atmosphere really like holiday yeah if you see the pictures from the day we opened the campus in Claver, yeah. you see all the boats here and yeah and a couple of yeah. times we had the bigger dutch was it dutch school boats or something here for different functions the bigger barges yeah school boat yeah and from over there was on weekends you could take the boat and then it would drive out to the rhine river yeah cross the border and then go back yeah yeah so hopefully one day it'll be repaired and yeah rebuilt. yeah apparently it's very expensive and it's i don't know yeah but the, the bridge where we're sitting on right now it's still able to, to it's functional up. yeah in the summer when the uh, grill boats uh going backwards and forwards it raises and lowers to let them through because when they've got their sun umbrellas up they can't get under ah, but it's uh, quite uncommon that it opens now it's opened very rarely at the very beginning we used to open it a lot because there were more boats coming mm. up then police boat customs boats uh you had different size motor yachts coming up and down which is but i say we used to be responsible for opening and closing the bridge at the beginning but the last time we did that was years ago yeah because it gives a little bit of a dutch atmosphere yeah i think no, it's actually a dutch bridge they ordered somewhere because they yeah, obviously I mean, make it in was, the netherlands where yeah, it's more yeah, neat yeah. for them but you, you're right it's really got the dutch atmosphere i never thought about it but yeah it does so you had the you've got the railway bridges there as well Hello. Morgan. Yeah. Because you're, oh, you're uh, about to retire, right? In a couple of weeks? That's right. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'm retiring. But because I enjoy the work here so much, I'm staying on working part-time. So oh. <laughs> just have a bit more free time to enjoy and relax and uh, keep up with my hobbies. So you're looking forward to it? Yeah, I think so now. Yeah. Uh, Got to do it. I mean, you only get one chance. Yeah, yeah. So looking back on, on the years you spend on campus, what are the things that you always remember? Or what are the most I think the couple crazy of stories that, that you'll... <laughs> the, the couple of times I've pulled people out of the canal is always... We've had a, a couple of accidents with, with uh, people falling off their bikes here where you had to get the ambulance and things. Or you've had to move drunks out of our buildings here we had to get the police or things so there's so much really it's no 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 day is the same it's always very variable yeah work, never a dull really. moment quite, right? yeah never a dull moment you just enjoy it when it's quiet and uh, get on with it when it's not busy i know it's early now and it's of course it takes some getting used to yeah but isn't the night shift a little bit more romantic right you're there by yourself you're alone with your thoughts i know You say, can write a book if it's yeah. not, you know. <laughs> I say that we're with two two guys uh, on for the night shift now because of in the past yeah. one you, it's better to have two persons. Yeah, you've always got your colleagues to talk to, and, and uh, yeah, it's always better when you're going up to a crowd of people with two to yeah. all your things. So. And if you look back, I mean, you you not really retiring, you part retiring, I would say, right? Uh, what is like the main lesson you learned? Working here, if there are many lessons, but one... No, nothing will surprise me anymore, I think. <laughs> just 
see so many things you think what the <laughs> sometimes you think okay and just get on with it it's that i say there's been so many funny things and strange things <laughs> that you think huh? is this real but it happens and it, you get on with it and you think oh well okay it's not boring <laughs> and that's the reason why you're not really retiring. You're that's right. Yeah. You know, and of course, with so many foreign students, being able to speak English is a good thing. Right. And most of the foreign students, they, yeah, they like to talk in English because their German is just starting. They just they don't feel so confident. Yeah, when they get talking, you, some of them you sit there and they talk and pour out all their sorrows and problems. And most of them know people in England as well, which is quite funny. They always ask where you come from and tell them, "Oh, I know somebody who lives there and there." Yeah, no, it's interesting. I like it. <laughs> Did you ever have any students that kept returning to you uh, that you had like a special relationship with, or? Once they know I can speak English and know yeah. what the routine and what things are, if they can't talk to anybody else, they come to me and talk to me. Yeah, that happens a lot. Different students, different uh, countries and things, they pour out their problems and they ask for a bit of advice or whatever. I think, yeah, they see a sort of father figure or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> So how about breakfast? We owe you breakfast. breakfast. Thank you for listening to the How to Hochschule podcast. We hope you enjoy the show and feel free to follow us and recommend us to your friends. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or just want to let us know how you liked the episode, please don't hesitate, take courage and do reach out to us at podcast at hsrw.eu. We are always looking for ways to improve and we appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to check out our show notes and links and more information on today's topics and guests. Next time on the How to Hochschule podcast, part two of our four-part special 24 Hours at Hochschule Rhein-Waal, the most international university in Germany. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Stefan Hanf. This is the How to Hochschule podcast. We are looking forward to hear you next time. Tschüss.